Welcome to the Conversations About Consultation podcast. I'm Zara Ahmed, and you're here listening to some of the conversations myself and my co-hosts, Dr. Emma Kennedy, Jessica Crowley, and Emily Crosby have had with guests from around the world about consultation psychology. We all have a keen interest in consultation and hope that this podcast offers a platform to discuss different views about the topic and future directions of consultation. We hope that you enjoy listening to these episodes and if you'd like any further information or interested in being a guest, please feel free to let us know and get in touch via email or Twitter. In today's episode, we're speaking with Dr. Ellie Sakata, who recently qualified as an educational psychologist from Tavistock and Portman NHS Foundation Trust and is currently working as a newly qualified educational psychologist for Hertfordshire County Council. We speak with her about her recently completed doctorate thesis looking at culturally responsive practice for educational psychologists and the self-reflective framework she developed as part of her research. Ellie's thesis aimed to explore and address the lack of research regarding how EPs take culture into account in their work. We really enjoyed speaking and reflecting with Ellie about such an important topic in EP practice and we hope that you enjoy listening. Hi Ellie! So lovely Hello. to have you here. Thank you very much for having me. So it would be really good to kind of just start your background experience and where you currently are. Yeah, of course. So um, so I'm currently uh, a newly qualified educational psychologist, finished the course at the Tavistock and Portman uh, last year, so summer of 2021. And from September, I have been at Hertfordshire County Council as an educational psychologist. Um, would it be helpful to share a bit about kind of my experience beforehand? And yeah, so my interest working with young people came initially I guess in secondary school to be honest I worked in an after school club for primary age children um, and I was a keen footballer when I was younger so um, did a a level one football association qualification alongside playing football um, and then ended up um, teaching primary and secondary age girls football at some local schools and then also took on a kind of mental role to some of the younger year groups at secondary so that's when I sort of yeah, became more interested in in working with young people. Um, And then I took psychology for for A-level, really, really enjoyed it, um, and then decided to pursue it as as a degree. So I went to University of of Nottingham um, to do my my psychology degree, um, where, yeah, I guess I was introduced to lots of different areas within psychology and, and had a bit more kind of freedom within final year to sort of explore those somewhat a bit more so you know did some modules on kind of clinical psychology forensic psychology um, developmental psychology just to get a bit more of a kind of overview Um, and then when I graduated I think I toyed with the idea of going into teaching I was thinking about how to sort of pursue my interest in working with young people Um, and so I ended up taking a role at a a maths and English tuition centre that um, kind of mapped the national curriculum and worked with primary and secondary age pupils so that was a really uh, nice opportunity to kind of work with children young people with with lots of different kind of of needs some kind of excelling in learning some kind of with kind of additional special educational needs um, so that was that was really great experience. Um, and then I took a bit of time out to um, go and visit Japan. My dad's side of the family are in Japan, so I um, did a bit of traveling there. Um, and then when I came back, I think I wanted to try and diversify the age in which I 
kind of worked with age of children young people I worked with so I recognized I hadn't really worked much with maybe more older pupils so um, I did a a year working at the University of Hertfordshire in their careers and employment team um, in their kind of um, supporting pupils with kind of enterprise initiatives. Um, and then I think at that point I was was quite interested in the educational psychology route. I think thinking about trying to, trying to sort of amalgamate my interest in psychology, but then also kind of wanting to apply it a bit more in, in my kind of day-to-day -day work and having really enjoyed my experience at the tuition centre and supporting young people at different ages and stages of their learning. And that's when I sort of, yeah, started to pursue the, the EP route, really. And I was fortunate to uh, gain a role uh, as a psychology assistant um, at Hertfordshire County Council, um, which was which is a really fantastic opportunity to gain more understanding really of the role of an educational psychologist and an educational psychology service and then that's where I applied um, I applied twice actually um, so yeah this was my kind of second year applying when I was an assistant and got onto the course at the, the Tavistock and then here we are. <laughs> I, I, I never asked you actually about having had that interest in in football had you ever considered like sports psychology or had it always been more the sort of maybe clinical or developmental mm. or, or educational end? I, I, I think I did consider it at one point I think I, mm. I really enjoyed psychology generally at, at a level and I think I was sort of just interested in just researching all the different kind of you know um, the different options that, that, that there were available um, I think largely football took more of a kind of extracurricular sort of route in my life I mean yeah I played it from a young age and, and played it at university as well so there was kind of a large sort of um, social opportunity as well as teamwork mm. opportunity doing mm. it um, at university as well as kind of primary secondary age so mm. I think it took more of a kind of yeah maybe more personal enjoyment as yeah. opposed to then really then kind of following the kind of job trajectory I guess yeah the kind of professional um, side it was when you were saying I've never asked her why why anyway one thing <laughs> I definitely did want to ask you about was obviously one reason that Zara and I were really keen to to have you on and, and to kind of hear a little bit more um about your work is because of the topic that you chose for your doctoral thesis mm -hmm. and I was just wondering if you could perhaps say a little bit about um, why you got interested in the area that you got interested in what it was uh, the kinds of research questions maybe that you had and yeah we'd love to hear just a little bit more about the kind of origin and the starting point of what you did. Mm, yeah absolutely uh, so my research looked at I was basically exploring how as a profession how educational psychologists can be more culturally responsive in practice uh, so that definitely came from a, a personal motivation in my yeah my dad's family um, my dad's Japanese I'm half Japanese and so coming from a kind of mixed ethnic background myself I've experienced two different cultures Japanese and English um, in the household growing up from kind of language food lifestyle um, I think I've always been quite sensitive to difference from a young age um, I think from my own personal experiences growing up I think me and my brother I think pretty much the only half Japanese people in our um, primary secondary school experiences um, I think I was just yeah quite mindful of, of being different um, wanting to fit in but also trying to embrace my different cultures and so I think there was definitely a sort of a personal motivation, I guess, wanting to 
yeah, consider how people can think about culture more more sensitively. And when I started scouting and just doing a bit of a, a look over the literature, I felt that there wasn't an awful lot in the the EP world. You know, there have been some 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 research studies that have maybe looked at the experiences of particular cultural groups, which really important, obviously add to our, our understanding. Um, I think kind of more on a kind of broad focus, I was kind of interested in, well, what sort of things should we be doing as EPs to think about culture to respond to it a bit more? You know, the, uh, the governing bodies like the British Psychological Society and the Health and Care Professions Council, you know, comment on these things that we should be thinking about cultural difference but I was kind of maybe curious to find out a bit more about how we go about that what should we be thinking about what sort of things should we be be doing really so I think that's where that interest sort of started really and how that then kind of my research journey began. (laughs) Yeah that noticing about kind of how your own personal growing up and of what it has ever tuned you to and then how that then linked into a really quite profound kind of professional question that so many of us are trying to get to grips with about how do we professionally behave in a more culturally responsive way. Mm. One thing you mentioned there was just the kind of aspects of culture from growing up like food, language, family function, how things went. And just that almost defining culture, because I think sometimes there can be this tendency maybe to see those bits as being, oh, they're the different bits. But yeah, I suppose it'd be interesting to hear about also the, when we talk about culture, before we get into talking about cultural responsivity, that it's not just about the kind of languages that one speaks. Could you say just a little bit more about how you kind of took up the idea of culture more generally? Mm. It's broad, isn't it? And it is quite hard to define. <laughs> I think people have their own, um, I guess, definitions of what they perceive culture to be. Um, yeah, I think the, the literature definitely highlighted that it's it's quite complex and it, it's quite multidimensional, really. Um, I think... I was viewing culture through a lens which did largely interact with ethnicity and I think that came from my own sort of personal experiences coming from a mixed ethnic background and I guess how I understood and experienced cultural difference Um, but yeah culture can encompass lots of different things for people from lifestyle religion it can be yeah very multifaceted so quite hard hard to define and it will I guess look different for for different people Um, but I think yeah, my my focus was largely interacting more with ethnicity through that lens, mm. I think, from my own experiences, really. I think that point, though, about how complex it is, is is critical, isn't it? Because I think that there can be, and I'm wondering about whether there's a reason why um, we sometimes find difficulties or multiculturalism is like other people, when they speak languages different to the dominant language spoken or when they... Um, parents slightly different and it is all of those things but it's also even deeper again and thinking about things like um, consultation and just even basic things around communication and interpersonal relating and what's considered to be respectful what's considered maybe to be a bit of a social faux pas that aren't necessarily things that you would directly see as in of the the foods or the way in which kind Mm. of maybe religious festivals are celebrated Mm. there's sameness and difference there is also that much more unspoken part about this is kind of how we do things Mm. um that really reflects I guess the kind of such complicated nature of of the the concept that you were trying to to study Mm. yes it's 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 very complex and I think um I did I did 
go quite broad with my, with my thinking initially, just because I felt that there was wasn't a huge amount of, of literature available within the, the EP world. But I I do recognise, you know, that I feel like I've only scraped the surface really with with my my findings. I think it's yeah, it's such an in, important topic. But there is, as you say, there's just so much there underpinning that's maybe not not always explicit, um, and that we we absolutely just need more more understanding and more time and and more commitment to learning more about it really you've kind of just mentioned there a little bit about scratching the surface and how you've gone quite broad I was just wondering if you might speak a little bit more about you know what what kind of came out of the research Mm, yeah sure um so yeah I was I was keen to to look at just generally you know what sort of things can we do to be culturally responsive in our practice so what I initially did was I kind of reviewed the the literature available really so I was kind of looking at general search terms around kind of cultural responsivity so I chose the term culturally responsive practice but um, it is you know responding to cultural difference can be um, spoken about in different ways so you know I think the literature speaks around you know cultural competence cultural awareness cultural sensitivity um, cultural humility so all these kind of words um, I sort of put into kind of the literature to try and see kind of um, how as, as psychologists we're, we're thinking about culture um, and yeah what what struck me was that it there, there wasn't an awful lot that that came up through the educational psychology practice um, there was quite a bit that came up through school psychology practice in the states um, so I recognize there are you know similarities and differences between I guess school psychology practice and educational psychology practice but ultimately felt that there were um, messages and themes there that could absolutely be um, applicable and, and transferable for us in the UK to be thinking about. So um, I reviewed the literature really available um, and they were looking at different functions of, of the EP role, really. So, you know, thinking about how we can be um, culturally attuned to kind of our assessment approach, um, how we might think about culture in, in supervision, consultation. Uh, an intervention so through through that basically I sort of use their thematic analysis process so I basically analyze the the literature available and I try to sort of draw together key themes that were coming through the literature and through those themes I then basically generated um, a list of statements of, of things that obviously were, were quite pertinent that, that had come through the literature that were talking about you know how we might respond to culture in our practice basically so so through that, I created a, a kind of survey. So I, I used what's called a Delphi method, which um, is a, a method where you can use multiple surveys to try and kind of reach some sort of consensus amongst a group of people about a particular um, topic or issue. So I kind of, I guess, put it out there to, to EPs and asked them, you know, how how can we think about culture a bit more responsibly in practice? Here is a list of statements that the literature suggests this is what we should be doing. Um, what do you think about them? Do, do you agree, basically, um, or not that they're important for our practice? And I also invited EPs to offer their own reflections or suggestions of um, how we can think about culture that might not have appeared in the statements. Um, and through a kind of multiple survey process, um, was able to meet some sort of consensus, I guess, over some of the statements. So, you know, where a group of EPs have then recognised, actually, these statements are pertinent, they're important to our practice really. 
And so from from that, I had this list of statements that I then kind of created into a self-reflective framework, really, where it's not intended to be a tick box exercise. The intention is, I guess, to, to start helping EPs, whatever age and stage in, in the journey, really, to um, just reflect on culture a little bit more. Um, it, I feel like it's something that... Um, needs to become a bit more embedded into practice and, and I'm hoping that the, the framework will just help um, sort of prompt facilitate some of those conversations kind of individually to reflect on own practice perhaps perhaps, perhaps with colleagues or um, through supervision as well um, so my, my framework is is sort of split up into I guess three key areas which were the, the themes that came through from the research really so the first theme is looking at um, skills so the type of skills that we might use to try and be more culturally responsive in practice so um, those skills kind of might look at you know initial relationship building with culturally diverse individuals but then also the type of skills that we might use when we are engaged in some of our roles within our REP practice so for example within assessment and intervention or consultation how we're how we're thinking and, and responding to culture really um, so the skills is the first sort of area of the framework uh, and then the second area of the framework is is more um, thinking about the fact that this is a continuous learning process really this isn't as I say it's not a tick box it's not a oh well I've done this so now I'm I'm culturally responsive it's an ongoing process and, and learning journey and that element of the framework is I guess inviting inviting EPs to think not about their not only about their own um personal cultural identity but then also then how they then respond to the cultural identity of others so it's focusing on the kind of intrapersonal aspects of development and the, the interpersonal um, and then the final layer of the framework is more kind of uh, I guess broad so it's thinking about considering structural implications to culture so perhaps more within our systemic work as EPs how we might be supporting you know perhaps schools thinking about um, policy or or training um, and yeah how we're providing support perhaps at more of a systems level and that offers some some reflections of, of how we might do that basically um, so yeah so that's a, a rough overview of of how it's, it's structured. You've been incredibly generous with your work Ellie in terms of trying to think about the um, consultation approach that that you know we we take at the, at the Tavistock on the mm educational psychology training course and thinking about aspects of our kind of model and framework and how we think about consultation and how we can kind of better integrate um, some of the really rich kind of learning that came from from your from your work I think one thing I suppose that's immediately quite striking is this idea of our own cultural identities and how, again, instead of defaulting into, well, culture is relevant when somebody is other or different, is kind of starting from the perspective of kind of noticing that we all are cultural beings that have, you know, grown up within a particular culture. Mm -hmm. I was just wondering if you would just maybe starting with there and thinking about that intrapersonal dimension, that kind of getting to know yourself better, mm -hmm. and what parts of you actually are far more maybe influenced by culture than you you know, because we can kind of default into, well, that's the right way to do things without really interrogating that fully. Mm. Um, like that's the right way to parent a child or to kind of 
manage behavior or whatever the the kind of um, dimension might be, instead of thinking, well, actually, I grew up thinking it was appropriate to do it this way, but actually that had a cultural, um, you know, kind of norm or more involved. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the way that everybody does it. And it doesn't mean that my way is the right way Mm. or their way is the right way. Mm. Um, Recognizing that culture has an influence on, on so many different things. Mm. But do you feel, or have you had a chance to even just think about for just even thinking about the the framework for yourself to sort of think about your intrapersonal kind of yourself and kind of what may be Mm. going on for you? Mm. How might it have helped you? Had you had something like that, that you had had to go and create so basically (laughs) had it been available? Yeah. And I think the intrapersonal side was was a, a core part of the sort of definition of culturally responsive practice. When I was trying to come up with my, you know, what 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 does it mean to be culturally responsive? And I was looking at all these different definitions of being culturally aware or sensitive or competent or responsive. And and I felt that the the culturally responsive definition really was a was a nice balance of not only thinking about how we respond respond and interact with others who are from different cultural backgrounds but absolutely thinking about the self and w- what it means for us to you know w- w- how do we respond to how, what, how do we think about our, our own own culture what have been our own experiences of of growing up of, of learning of, of understanding cultural difference understanding our own our own culture um and I think what what was helpful within within the literature, um, there was a um, a kind of another sort of self reflective framework that came through from a kind of psychologist um, school psychologist literature, and they focused on they kind of looked at the intrapersonal as well, and a part of their reflections were, I guess, thinking about. Um, perhaps different blind spots or, or hot spots that we might have when thinking about our kind of cultural, you know difference and and an upbringing so um that and that's not a shoot you know I will have I've had one my own experiences but they will be somewhat quite different to others and I think it's all being being mindful of that and I think within the context of consultation where um you might be with um multiple people client consultee um who have got who are coming from their own different experiences I think it's the the sort of not assuming and, and being curious and not wanting to overgeneralize or undergeneralize because there, you know, there might be some experiences where um, one might be of a, of a similar identity in a, in a certain way, but then that does not mean for one moment that you've had the same experiences or you kind of attune to um, that identity in the same way as each other. So I think the, the kind of the curiosity and the, not wanting to generalize um, are kind of really important parts of the kind of um, the framework I feel personally. And I think that's helped me with the kind of intrapersonal side of this is my own experiences and from my own cultural background and upbringing, why I might respond to things in certain ways, but that's not the same for, for everyone else. And I have to be curious and and take time to, to understand that really. Um, and it's it's something that is is still very much a learning process for me. Um, I'm I think it's something that I want to try and um, explore a bit more in kind of supervision. Um, I feel like it's I feel like some some somewhere like supervision would be um, hopefully for for most a, a quite a containing safe space to perhaps think and unpick some of these things. And and as we said, it's it's complex, isn't it? Culture is is complex, and 
when um, even you know within consultation there's, there's lots of things to be thinking about in the moment going on kind of in the meta absorbing digesting and then responding um, but I think having that time separately from that to sort of unpick digest it think about our emotional responses reactions what we said what we didn't say what others perhaps said or didn't say why that was um perhaps use of supervision would be um quite helpful to try and unpick and um, yeah understand some of those elements a little bit more yeah I think that's a really good point and kind of how the intra then kind of impacts your interpersonal skills especially Mm. in like uh consultation I guess for me, I'm also thinking about how the other kind of sides of your framework work it will fit in with that in terms of like the skills. Um, I think it speaks a little bit about assessment as well. Mm. I think about the whole framework. Yeah. So I think the the first part of the framework, the kind of, yeah, the skills building, it, it, it kind of focus on, focuses on sort of initial relationship building skills, I guess. So as I've touched upon sort of, being curious, um, being, I guess, empathetic and sensitive to the experiences of of others. Some may have experienced, you know, quite difficult experiences like oppression or prejudice. prejudice. Um, And so being being perhaps mindful of that and sensitive to that is is really important. Um, I think Emma touched upon it earlier about some of, I guess, the less maybe explicit elements of culture. So perhaps differences in um, communication style. Um, So perhaps some sensitivity to that and what differences there are. And yeah, um, and and thinking about that a little bit more. Um, I think communicating a, a genuine sort of respect um, and yeah, curiosity, and I think empowering those that we're interacting with that they are the kind of experts in their own cultural experiences, and kind of trying to get a bit more of a sense of their their own identity and, and their responses to that. I think that's something that I've found that's been quite helpful in some of my discussions with parents. Um, it just you know within day to day practice, you know, for example, as part of the you know education, health, and care needs assessment, sometimes I, I quite like to ask that as a as a question of, you know, tell me a bit more about your um, your kind of cultural identity or aspects of your identity that are important to you and your your child. And I think that has sometimes opened up really nice discussions where parents have become quite animated or perhaps speaking about their their background. Um, and I think that's helped develop somewhat of a rapport and, and a relationship during those early stages of, of, of talking with with somebody. So um, I think reflecting on those initial relationship building skills has been has been quite helpful um and then the assessment and intervention side of the skills again is is thinking about how we might be thinking about culture more in in those elements of our of our practice so um how you know what kind of assessment tools are we using are they culturally appropriate to be using um are we thinking about culture when we're writing up our formulation so for example that's something that I've you know I've tried to remind myself you know when I'm kind of providing a bit of a psychological formulation are there any pertinent aspects of cultural identity that might be helpful to kind of align and make a part part of this formulation um are you know are we thinking about culture when we're recommending interventions perhaps um there were some there were some helpful elements in the the kind of literature searches around that really how we might be thinking about that um so yeah they're they're kind of I guess 
other elements of of the framework that I'm hoping would would help just offer further reflections and um and help facilitate some further discussion or yeah thinking about how we might approach our the different areas within our educational psychology remit really mm. yeah it's just I mean it's bringing up so many different kinds of um thoughts and one thing I was just thinking about when when you were talking there early now is about even the the cultural influence on seeking help from a from an EP mm. um and how the cultural influence on educational psychologists providing help because both of those behaviors are influenced by culture aren't they about how you might um reach out for for a, a more professionally helpful relationship as opposed to one within the family within you know a religious kind of community or, or the local community more generally um yeah and kind of that mindfulness about not over or under ascribing to culture how somebody may be like oh well all people from that group you're kind of bringing you back that point you were making about bias and stereotype that we we all have mm. and the real significance of supervision within all of this because in many ways you can't really identify a blind spot can you because by its very nature <laughs> it's not really known to you mm. um and I get yeah I was suppose on, on that point I was just interested in the kind of interrelationship that now that you're out in practice at least a, a, a sort of full year now plus having had those supervisory supervisory experiences when you were training yeah is there anything that you would reflect upon now about the interface between your consultation practice out there with consultees and clients and what get brought, what got brought back to supervision how did you could the kinds of spaces that you had available to you um, in supervision to think about your own consultation practice and the potential for for bias for stereotype for culture to be impacting or not being thought either over kind of egged or not really thought about the interface between yeah consultation and supervision for you mm. yeah I think I've I've been very fortunate to have had, um, yeah, very con kind of containing positive supervision experiences, and I've, and I found them really beneficial when trying to kind of unpick um, perhaps some of the interactions that I have had through my experiences on on placement and and as an, as an educational psychologist, um, and yeah, I think aspects of the the framework have helped have helped think about that a little bit more as well and yeah as as we've spoken about the kind of the, the interpersonal side of my own maybe responses or the responses of others within consultation and how I've then in, interpreted them and um, what my kind of yeah emotional reactions were to certain discussions and I think then being able to sort of follow follow that up in in a supervisory space has been has has been helpful for yeah my my own development and trying to um, unpick that further really I guess I suppose it's probably a question to both of you really about Ellie's point there about supervision being sufficiently containing because I'm wondering about whether that getting close to perhaps maybe I am a bit biased or I do have stereotypes it's quite a potentially quite shaming nobody wants mm. to kind of think that that's the kind of practitioner that they may be 
yeah, is, is there anything that either of you would, would think could be relevant or helpful for supervisors to create the sort of spaces that may be needed that kind of thinking that is, is quite tricky to do can take place? I actually think that Ellie's self-reflective framework kind of allows it to be, it does seem like the type of framework to be able to bring about some of those conversations without it feeling quite um, personal in terms of just being like, oh, well, I'm wondering how you've kind of thought about this. But also something that, you know, that we've done at the Tavistock is thinking about contracting in supervision. And that mm. that's actually genuinely been very helpful for me because I think you then bring about those conversations about how how will I challenge you or how will we think about this together Mm. Um, so when it is brought up you're kind of a bit more prepared I I think that's where my my mind was was kind of wondering too was around the kind of contracting and I think from um, my experiences I I know my um, my supervisor at the Tavistock who was um, my personal supervisor was Chris Shulden who had introduced his his research on kind of um training experiences of of supervision and how we might be able to further contract um yeah our expectations and what we want to get out of supervision and I I used his um supervision bubbles um, I think with some of my early um supervisory experiences and I found those to be helpful to yeah have those initial discussions of yeah what what things are perhaps pertinent to me how might I want to address or yeah respond to maybe difficult conversations or yeah things that perhaps are quite difficult to talk about like you know acknowledging and addressing biases um so I think having that kind of yeah contracting initially is um hopefully somewhat helpful really no that's really that's really helpful I guess kind of building on that a little bit is the sense of supervision as a space for a supervisee to sort of maybe I pick up on potential bias and stereotype but then made me think about well actually supervisors are also human and have biases mm. and stereotypes and yet the the power difference in the that supervisor relationship is very different which is then making me think about consultation um, and where power and authority and both of those things also quite culturally saturated terms in terms of how do you take up your authority you could have been given some really quite strong messages as you were growing up within a particular cultural context about how that couldn't 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 be done or should or shouldn't be done um, and that was then making me think about yeah how consultees can make sense of the consultant's culture um, and their biases and stereotypes that may be also getting in the was that kind of more interpersonal dimension. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just kind of recognizing as as always, I think happens when we have these um, we have guests on like yourself, is you recognize consultations not as straightforward, easy. <laughs> I'll just you know it, the, the depth of um, what's going on in terms of an interpersonal relationship, whether there's cultural similarity or a cultural difference how visible or invisible it may be how much it's spoken Mm. about or not it's still there Mm. um and yeah I guess I was wondering about any thoughts either of you really might have on that sense of cultural sameness and difference when the consultee could be trying to make sense of your cultural backgrounds as consultants I'm trying to think of if I've used any 
kind of phrasings or what have you to kind of make that more explicit because yeah as you say there's there's so much going on in consultation isn't there that's and a lot of it is is not is not named it's it's not visible it's not no it's not is it I guess I suppose in one way I was thinking about it from my own perspective a little bit in that by virtue of being from a different country there was that possibility of naive questioning because you I've only ever worked as an EP in one country and yet I'm from from another um Mm. and the potential ease at which one can name you know oh look I'm Irish I I didn't Mm. you know sort of Mm. teach here don't quite know how the school system works and is that how that ordinarily happens Mm. um whether is there something actually in the act of naming sameness and difference what might that do both in terms mm. of potentially positively freeing up and being able to talk to something it's also making me think about well what do other people make of Irish culture and you know do I really fit the stereotype what bits of me very much might be that as well bits may may not mm. be at all and again that that point that you were making Ellie that it, it isn't just a kind of homogenous blob that actually yes I might be of of Irish culture but there are other things about me like socioeconomic stasis you know faith other mm. or, or no faith you know all those other bits that mm. actually you have to say well I've met one Irish person I now know everything a similar kind of thing of well I've met one I don't know person of of um you know Pakistan I must know everything then there is to know mm. about a person from from that country and thinking about such complexity uh, that may go on yeah I just yeah. that was kind of what was going through my head and, and again, it's making me think about that overgeneralise and undergeneralise, because yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I don't think I've ever perhaps named in a in a consultation my own kind of background. I guess people would see my surname, perhaps, or see me and like physically and maybe be curious about where yeah, I'm yeah, from. Yeah. Um, but don't necessarily name that and then I'm thinking oh if I if I did for whatever reason or felt at whatever point that it felt maybe that I could, what then assumptions or thoughts they might be having about me me saying that um yeah because obviously I'm visibly different in terms of like my skin tone and my skin color and I tend to get a lot of parents from Pakistani backgrounds I'm not from a Pakistani background to be like oh are you Pakistani as well and like I think there's there like you said there's kind of managing those assumptions but in the instances that I've had of other people naming it it seems to create a sense of familiarity for the parents or comfortability to be like oh oh you must understand you, you're also similar to us like um yeah it's really because I'm thinking about what you know Ellie, you were saying about relationship building and how critical that is so if there is a perceived sameness that's how like you must get this I'm thinking potentially how beneficial that that possibly could be and then the both end of that then is there a danger that there's such an assumption of similarity that things don't get said that actually are very very different and that Mm. do need and even if it were exactly the same which would be highly unlikely that it would be it's still that space for a parent or a carer as a consultee to be able to talk about what it's been like for them in their time in their context and what we might miss if mm. there's this danger of assuming, well, there's no point in me telling you all that because you already get it. Mm. And you're kind of like, well, no, actually, must be sure I do. Mm. I'm wanting to kind of hear 
yeah, and just to offer that space and to allow that to be kind of explored together. Um, yeah, to, and, and I think that part of the, I think yeah, again that that part of the framework for me is the some of the re, like more important parts of that kind of being unassuming, being curious, and yeah, we might have our own biases and kind of initial assumptions, but trying really hard to yeah start from that standpoint of curiosity and yeah not wanting to overgeneralize or undergeneralize based on what someone may may then share with us about aspects of their identity yeah and I think of there's so much richness in in the framework that you've developed so this is only one aspect of it but I do think that point about actually you don't know you don't mm. know you you may know loads but you don't know this person in this space with this particular combination you've not encountered mm. that before and to really hold the kind of not knowing to allow stuff to come whilst I think the other thing your framework is doing is also saying and everyone has a has a bias filter your brain doesn't function with that one mm. you you are making constant shortcuts and assumptions and they can happen so rapidly and so quickly mm. um that having that openness and continual kind of CPD learning journey supervision constant engagement with each case yes you have that kind of wisdom that builds up over time but that you still permit each case to be new and for you to be new too within mm. us and that was one thing I guess I was wondering about for both of you about feeling okay with being new and not knowing and about the interface with age on experience and whether there is ever a pressure perhaps because you may be actually younger than a like a for example if it was a teacher who's kind of reaching the end of their career has been te teaching for like 35 years or something like mm -hmm. that um so age and and experience level where in that interpersonal relating there can sometimes feel like a pressure to to know to have immediate kind of answers to be able to respond really quickly or do you feel actually no? It's kind of felt okay. I've, I've felt able to sort of just be be open to to what's coming and, and not rush too quick. I think I've experienced both of those. To be honest, Emma, I think yeah, um, age and experience is definitely an yeah perhaps an aspect of the social graces for me that I've yeah maybe I'm a bit more. Um, sensitive to as well within the kind of yeah being newly qualified as an EP as you say coming across interacting with professionals that are have perhaps got years of experience within within their role um and yes somewhat as you say feeling like oh I need to provide an provide an answer or <laughs> um yeah show my understanding here um I've definitely felt that that pressure at times um but then yeah equally others I've I think maybe felt comfortable and have, have sat with the maybe the not knowing and, and recognizing you know a lot of a lot of um of children young people that we are that we are introduced to there there's a lot going on and and it, it wouldn't be right that there would be a straightforward answer because there's so much complexity so I think sometimes uh sit, sitting with that um so yeah sometimes feels easy, easier than others um but yeah I've, I've definitely experienced both I don't know about you Zara <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely also experienced both, but I think it's just making me think a little bit about, you know, the intersection of that in terms of culture, age, experience, and what it might be like for the consultee or consultant in terms of like, 
what is their experience of having to listen to somebody that's younger than them <laughs> or what is <laughs> our, our experience of having to kind of advise or consult to somebody who's older than us um mm-hmm. kind of that cultural expectations in in that sense as well like what you've grown up with and your experience of that and the bit that we hadn't mentioned very much but we are three women and I'm just wondering about kind of the intersection of, of kind of culture and maybe gender roles and what do mothers do and what do fathers do and how do females and males relate to one another and what's considered to be respectful and um, appropriate to talk about and not talk about. Um, that I, Yeah, sorry, that point about intersectionality and recognising and Ellie, you mentioned the social graces and that being a potential framework from systemic thinking that perhaps can help sort of map out or although I know some of the the students have been referring to recently doing things like cultural geneograms in in supervision maybe Mm. um or in work they've done with children and families to try and understand culture and its influence a little bit more Mm. um some really interesting intervention work in terms of using narrative approaches like the the tree of life perhaps that are perhaps less middle class very west you know in in kind of design and you know um underpinning assumptions that there is a real movement i guess in in the the trainee educational psychologists and newly qualified educational psychologists of the last few years that's so exciting because of what's coming and, and kind of a recognition of, yes, there are, you know, the, the work of many people for many years uh, phenomenally done and there's shoulders that people are standing on. And yet also this continuing impetus to say, actually, maybe it's not appropriate to just kind of show up with all of your own kind of perceived normality or rightness or um, what should happen. Um, and recognising actually the, the breadth and complexity of the human beings that we're working with and how we really do need to take more account of the wholeness of them. Mm. And I guess that was, I guess, my kind of coming towards the end. And I know we're desperately keen to find out about where next for your framework and maybe some suggestions and ideas that you might have for us about things that we could we could read up a little bit on too. But it was to kind of, yeah, just just sort of touch on Ellie the the structural part of the cultural responsivity framework because undoubtedly there are some significant and very serious issues very long-standing in nature that we're facing in terms of structural inequalities in health in education in the community in the youth justice system and so on um and for us not to forget that this isn't just about the self, it's not just about the interpersonal. There is also that kind of cultural responsivity at a, at a whole systems structure level. Mm. And yeah, again, really interested to hear from you about, about the framework in, on, on that level. Mm. And, it's, and, and if I'm honest, it's not something that I've really had the opportunity yet to um, kind of pursue that more structural side to things. And, and I'm hoping that through um, a bit more time and as I kind of get more of a familiarity and relationship with some of the schools that I'm linked with, I'm hoping these t- the, as those kind of conversations develop, that the more structural side of addressing and responding to culture might um come through um from some opportunities there um but yeah I think it's um it's 
thinking about the the systems level so obviously as, as EPs we work with you know not only young people on an individual level or, or families or kind of groups of, of people um but we're, we're working with with whole systems where you know not as within local authority working within within school school systems and kind of thinking as a whole how perhaps culture is is addressed and, and responded to on on that level so um I guess thinking about perhaps a, a training um thinking about kind of policy um yeah thinking about how we attend to the kind of multicultural climate of the of the school community and there will be obviously lots of differences depending on perhaps where you where you work um as, as an EP um you will see different kind of aspects of um, a difference that might be more or less pertinent depending on where you work so um thinking about and and I guess the where you work as an EP in terms of whether you're kind of traded or not and the kind of contracting of work and how that then operates um will, will be different as well so um yeah I'm hoping to be able to do a bit more of that on the kind of systems level work in in the future I've, I've kind of um as a kind of starting point I've sort of touched base with the kind of um diversity inclusion kind of leads within um Hertfordshire so I'm, I'm hoping that something might come from that in terms of their initiatives both I guess internally with colleagues but then externally to children young people in the community about how culture is considered so um I'm wondering whether that might be something that might develop into some um additional work um but yeah uh, early days with that but um is a, a, yeah something that's still just as in you know really really important as well as the kind of individual and the intra self-exploration um of thinking more kind of broadly about how this impacts wider community really so um hoping to um do more of that in the future really well, I'm definitely very excited to see what comes out of that, mm. <laughs> um, see how it kind of works at a systems level. Definitely. I think it's much needed. Um, mm. But yeah, I guess we're coming to the end. And as we come to the end, we kind of like to ask our guests if there is a book or chapter. Like obviously, you've done lots of reading for your thesis. <laughs> is there anything you would think would be helpful or Kind of recommend the listeners to read oh there's loads <laughs> um i guess i've got a few yeah i've got a few things that i can definitely share and, and link through um on the podcast i think a, a personal one like not necessarily reflected to the um related to the ep profession but a book that i've read um that i just think is is a really good one about um just hearing other people's experiences um of their own kind of uh, personal identities and, and upbringing and coming from different uh, kind of minority backgrounds is the good immigrant um so uh, yeah thoroughly enjoyed that read and i think it's yeah a, a, a wonderful one in just getting a bit of an insight into others sort of cultural experiences really um so yeah, that is one I would, would definitely recommend. Um, and then I guess within the, the EP world, there's there's lots of lovely things to um to read, but I would say um from the, the school, some of the school psychology literature that I read, um Colette Ingram is is someone that I think has, has got a lot of really helpful um uh, articles around kind of cultural difference. She developed the kind of multicultural um, sort of framework, thinking about culture within consultation. Um, and there are a couple of, of articles there, a kind of um, older one, but then also a new one from a couple of years ago that I think would be good perhaps for, for trainees um, to have a read through as well. I think there's there's one 
from a few years ago where she talks about kind of how um, we can educate consultants for multicultural practice within sort of co consultation, what sort of things we can do to help develop um, within the, yeah, the consultation arena. So yes, I can definitely link you some of those. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. It was such a rich conversation. Thank you so much for having me. It's yeah, been lovely uh, speaking with you both. And yeah, absolutely really enjoyed the, the conversation and, and both of your reflections really. So yeah, really enjoyed it. Thank you.